0: Everybody want to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know.
1: So keep your love, I don't get enough of it. Jesus
0: just rose again. Listen to the kids.
2: welcome to watching the throne a lyrical analysis of kanye
3: east no west (laughs) oh i thought i was in the wrong place for a second my name's chris lambert
2: (laughs) what would your last name be if it was kanye east uh bert lamb no
3: i'm trying to think like what's the opposite of a lambert
2: i guess it would be like yeah what's what goes the other direction yeah Uh, for me it's easy it's like you know like a jelly bean or something
3: (laughs) is that any different than like a bean what's the opposite of a bean
2: well i think when you say bean you're implying like a legume type thing like a pinto bean or a butter bean or a green bean Uh, a jelly bean is a very different it's a whole different species i guess it's true like east is technically the opposite
3: of west but it's still a direction right so maybe maybe Chris like
2: sheep burt like Chris goat burt like goat burt. Mm. I'm Travis Bean, by the way, and uh, we're here to talk <laughs> about Kanye. Yes,
3: specifically West. a little known ditty, uh, "Diamonds from Sierra Leone" remix. God, I cannot hear that enough. <laughs> I feel like it's been a while. Like I, yeah, I've kept I've
2: kept it in the chamber for a little bit, but now that's discipline though if you don't use a word too much and then you break it out like it's got this it's got so much power after that
3: yeah right because at that time it's still a little known ditty
2: absolutely it is and this little known ditty is a little bit more than little known in fact i would say it's very well known amongst Kanye West fans
3: very much so i mean people often point to this song i mean People point to this as one of the best like Jay Z verses ever, but I think people also point to this as a time of like, did Kanye outrap Jay on a Ooh. song? Kanye no. doesn't think so. Kanye does not think so, but who cares what Kanye
2: thinks. I'm sorry, <laughs> Kanye. <laughs> I have to I'm a little I'm gonna be a little vulnerable right now. I um I used to think that this song was like the worst song. A late registration maybe not the worst because for a while you and i both hated celebration uh, that's a small preview of what's to come uh because i think we like it now <laughs> because mm-hmm. but um i i don't know like i used to hate jay's verse in this so much and everyone talked about how great it was and like i was so annoyed by it. like he's just talking about how great he is blah 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 I, i'm ashamed by that honestly now because now i do think that this is probably the best song in the entire album, and I think it's made better by Jay-Z's verse, and I even think it's better than the OG Diamonds of Sierra Leone because of Jay-Z. So that's just a preview Ooh. of what's about to come.
3: Ooh, and we'll get into the reason why. And you know, Jumping back, we just did our episode on the OG Diamonds from Sierra Leone, so if you've followed that, you know of the narrative that we told on that track. If you're just hearing this for your first time, then quickly recapping what we saw in the og diamonds from sierra leone is essentially kanye coming to terms with the fact that he is in a position of responsibility and that he could walk a selfish self-interested path or he can be a leader and you see in the first verse that he's mostly just kind of exploring like oh i'm famous mm-hmm. and at the start of the second verse it's when he's in this indulgent place And in the middle of that, you have the pivot when his father's like, nah, you need Jesus and takes him to church. You're not being Christ-like. Yeah, baptizes him. And the preacher said, we need leaders. And Kanye goes, right then my body got still like a paraplegic. Like that line hits him so hard. And the rest of the verse is him trying to be a leader, trying to stand up and represent Rockefeller, put Rockefeller on his back and carry not just the label for but the industry like Mm -hmm. he's going to be the guy for everyone to kind of get behind and diamonds from sierra leone remix takes that same idea but pivots it a little bit yeah condenses it i would say yeah very much condenses it, and brings jay-z in i mean it's also a little bit more of a humble song because kanye it's just like Kanye bragging about what he's going to do. And here he shines more light on Jay-Z rather than himself. Mm -hmm. And just being like, look, like, look to Jay. I'm going to be like Jay. And there's a lot of power in that choice, uh, especially when we start
2: looking at We Major as well. Yeah. I mean, just from both versions of the song, if like you evaluate both, which we have now done, I I think you realize just how... Important of a song this was to Kanye because you really can like fuse. We've talked about this before, you can fuse both these songs together, like mix and match the verses, and like create something like really epic. Um, but I mean, when it comes down to it, there's so much like personality and animation and emotion and Kanye's delivery. But the remix specifically, what I think like hits a little harder about it, and what at least what I'm more invested in is that. Connie really gets right into the meat of it all immediately and attack and tackles this internal conflict he's experiencing. And he makes it much more dramatic and engaging in that way. Like I think it's, I know a lot of people point to diamonds of Sierra Leone uh, the, the original as like an example of Connie's great lyricism. And I think in this area, I kind of like, I agree with people that it they are great lyrics and he's great at telling a story but i also think like sometimes people can be a little short-sighted about like what great lyricism is so like the original diamonds like as you've laid out like it has this giant narrative and builds to this line where you know he's making diamonds out of his bare hands like it's this great moment and all of the power really is in that final line and everything that built to it but I also think there's power <laughs> in being just like efficient with the emotion. Like when you're more careful about your words, you can like pack a punch in a much shorter amount of time. And that's how I feel about the song. Like throughout every single line to me feels really powerful. It's not building to something like each line like means something. You can dig into it. You can see how it's contextualized within the album. Like it it points to all these stains Connie's been talking about. I don't know, like to me this song just like hits throughout and because of that like you know that's the kind of lyricism i love from kanye i, I feel like people a lot of times point to the 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 og mix and like a song like gorgeous you know like like oh look at him like saying all these complicated thoughts and building this grand idea but the remix man it's like it's it's kind of a, a pop song in a way it's a radio sound like it just like it gets to the beat of it and it's just engaging the whole time. I love it.
3: You know, what you just described gets it something that I've tweeted about a lot regarding Kanye and Kendrick and the difference between them because both are great lyricists, but I think people tend to put Kendrick on a higher level than Kanye. Mm-hmm. And they'll point to Kendrick's storytelling, but just like how much he packs into. Yeah verse right and i think kanye's approach on the og versus the remix gets at really the difference between kendrick and kanye and where kanye ends up because i do think that remixed verse of diamonds from sierra leone and how he takes that idea of the conflict he was feeling and poeticizes it Mm -hmm. and reduces it and kind of like a diamond condenses it with this pressure to get something mm, that's like, like pretty this. beautiful. You see him start doing that more and more after the college dropout and late registration. I feel like college dropout and late registration, he was going with more of these cinematic verses rather mm-hmm. than poetic verses. And that especially by the time you get to My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, but then especially by the time you get to Yeezus, he's doing more and more of this poetry shits. And I say that like nicely. I read yeah. poetry, <laughs> but like he's on, how can I reduce things to simple images and ideas that convey the emotion that I'm feeling rather than describing the full story, right? Totally. So Kendrick on these walls might have this whole story about what's going on and have the poetry aspect of like, the metaphor of these walls but we still get all the narrative stuff and people are like wow that is lyricism that's storytelling where kanye might do something similar but it's i'm in it and he takes a much more poetic approach to the same topic and people will just think i'm in it's like a a raucous sex song (laughs) Mm -hmm. without paying attention to how trapped he feels the power dynamics how that song plays off of everything else like I'm in it is lyrically more interesting to me than uh, this is uh, Kendrick's one of my favorite artists, but like 85% of Kendrick songs. But I think most people would say Kendrick's lyrically better just because they're looking at the storytelling or the density of lines and the flow of the, the rap, even though Kanye is doing more with less or as much with less
2: that's that's funny to to hear you comparing kendrick and kanye because you can also compare kanye with jay (laughs) like i was sitting down like thinking about the song today and i'm like man every single kanye line like there's so much to impact like there's so much conflict and emotion and ideas brimming from each and every line (laughs) jay-z like i love jay-z to death but like I love Jay-Z because he's a personality because like his flow is amazing because every time he says something it sounds cool as fuck, (laughs) not necessarily because like, I think like there's a shitload of depth to everything Jay-Z says. Like there is depth in the way that like it means something to a lot of people and that you kind of like your ears perk up when he speaks just because he sounds powerful and he's saying stuff like so well. But what makes Jay-Z great is just like, you know, that, that raw emotion he gives stuff and how he he naturally brings all of this charisma and all this emotion to his verse in a way that I think very nicely juxtaposes what Kanye's doing here. Like Connie is going through so many waves and all this, you know, all this internal conflict that's all building to Jay fittingly. Um, and then Jay, you know, just as Jay-Z and Jay-Z represents Jay-Z and what he represents on this song and what he represents to Kanye, what he represents to all the people Kanye is rapping to throughout the album. Like this song to me just has all that, like Jay-Z amplifies the song that much more.
3: Yeah. And it's very similar and we'll get to the actual lyrics soon, but it's similar to how Kanye uses Jay-Z on Never Let Me Down. Totally. In the college dropout, the first act is Kanye in Chicago, like, hoping to get a break, right? And you start off with more of the, the lower place of we don't care, all falls down, and Spaceship. With Spaceship really starting to set up this higher hope. Like, I know that something's going to take me out of this low place where society has helped me, like, fall down into. And you really get this up and down tension... Uh, in that first act which then gets uh, redefined in Jesus Walks between like Jesus and the devil right and as Kanye releases Jesus Walks at the end of that song talking about like you know this is my single like I hope (laughs) I hope that it works Mm -hmm. the very next song is Never Let Me Down where Kanye is starting his career like so what we see is that on jesus walks he has success and now he's breaking into the industry and jay-z comes in on that song to represent what jay-z represented to kanye right like a right. mentor a guide a lifeline like the industry making it and all these things jay-z carries in and even if jay-z's lyrics are on the same thing that kanye's on what jay-z represents in that song is so immense and powerful And that's the same thing here. Like, it's what Kanye wants to be. It's who Kanye wants to Hmm. be.
2: Man, you got me thinking. First of all, got a lot of chills from that shit. Second, one of the reasons I'm getting chills is like, okay, on College Dropout, Jay-Z is part of Act One. And it's like the jumping off point for Kanye. You know, He's, he's sort of in this lower place. He wants to break out, become a celebrity, make music. And Jay-Z kind of represents the the vigor and um, what he needs to channel to do something like that. On late registration, we see Jay-Z here in the middle of the album. And at this point, like, you know, the the first act of the album is just heard him say Touch the Sky Gold Digger. It's it's kind of uh, uh, building the setting. Where like you have like heard him say where all these people are in like a low place and Kanye sees that and wants to help them rise out, so he touches the sky. Then Gold Digger is this reflection on like what fame does to people. And then we have the middle part of the album where Kanye's reflecting a lot on his past, realizing celebrity isn't what it was supposed to be, doesn't know what to do with himself, and then Jay Z comes in and helps him start to realize what he can do. Um, and then just thinking forward, I'm I'm thinking about graduation now, Mm. big brother is the final track (laughs) and it becomes more of like Kanye reflecting on like the people he's alienated because of this career and how he doesn't have Jay-Z in his corner anymore. It's just interesting that like Jay-Z on each of those first three albums plays such a focal point on Kanye's life and like where his life is heading. Like Jay-Z just means that much to him. (laughs)
3: you know what that just made me realize which like what you said was very beautiful and I'm thinking like oh Jay-Z had so much like hope on college dropout he represented like leadership here and then as you said on graduation Jay-Z's like out of the picture right Mm -hmm. and Kanye's making a song essentially apologizing to Jay trying to get him back and like repair the damage done to their friendship and even if that's kind of an exaggeration Kanye's at least, like, I don't know, that's how Jay-Z appears on that album, which is, like, in terms of a trilogy, like, pretty heartbreaking. Right. And also kind of fitting in that it's, like, what, the sixth song on the College Dropout or fifth song in College Dropout, and now it's the middle of the album on late registration, and then it's the end of the album on graduation, which is just very, not saying intentional, but just mm-hmm. beautifully coincidental. Mm-hmm. And then he's off of 808s completely, and then the thing that made me laugh was that he's back on my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, but he's a monster. He's a monster. <laughs> he's a monster at that point. And it's like low-key, almost like Kanye being like, oh, I need to have Jan never let me down because like he represents so much. I need to have him on Diamonds from Sierra Leone because he represents so much. And then by my, my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is kind of like,
2: guy's kind of a monster. He's a monster like me. <laughs> Yeah. Like and we're both monsters. You can't forget watch the throne. Then then the the bros are back together.
3: They are back together and never again.
2: <laughs> yeah, but if like if you're going to have like a final hurrah, watch the thrones. Fucking nails it.
3: Yeah, it's such like a narrative in and of itself the relationship between them and how it plays out over the course of like Kanye's discography. It's pretty fascinating. Mm. Anyway, that's a that's an aside. That's another podcast. <laughs> Tune in for the War of Titans. <laughs> so. Uh. With Lucky Land
4: slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
3: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
2: No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
3: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void
0: were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Diamonds from Sierra Leone. We have the same sample as the OG, which is the Shirley Bassey Diamonds Are Forever.
4: Diamonds are forever. They are all I need to please me can stimulate to tease me they won't leave in the night i've no fear that they might desert me diamonds are forever
3: Hold one up. uh that's from the album the best of bond james bond <laughs> no <but> it was
4: <laughs> i love that
3: album It was part of the Diamonds Are Forever soundtrack. It was the title song, right? And Mm -hmm. we get into this idea of uh, the tension that this woman has between her relationship with something as, what, not superficial, but something as inanimate as a diamond versus Mm men. Right. And while she could get more affection, attention, whatever from a man, like... The guy can desert you which is the whole thing with james bond right he never has right. like a, a relationship uh and then on the reverse like usually the women that james bond dates do betray him or like double agents or it's complicated so you have this line diamonds are forever they are all i need to please me they can simulate stimulate and tease me they won't leave in the night i have no fear that they might deserve desert me and uh diamonds are forever, hold one up and then caress it, touch it, stroke it, and undress it. Oh my goodness. I know. Getting, I can see every part. We're getting hot in here. <laughs> well, you know what you have to do. <laughs> Take the ball your Oh boy. <laughs> Nothing hides in the heart to hurt me. Yeah. So you have this tension between like putting on a diamond the emotional like relationship you're failing to get from somebody else. Uh, and the fact that like diamonds never lied to me and it just kind of sets up the complicated relationship and how we look to having relationship with consumerism or with these items as a means of replacing the fear or the pain or this or that. So that's already like a complicated frame for this song. And we know that Kanye has been dealing with that, like indulging in having cars, having money, like, having meaningless relationships and what fame really like gives him, but also what it costs him.
2: Yeah, and I mean, that's really tied up into the Shirley Bassey song as well. Like maybe it wasn't intentional when she made this song, but you know, the movie, uh, is it from Russia with Love, right? Um, Uh, Is it Diamonds Are Forever? Is that it? See, I'm not a huge James Bond expert <laughs> yeah uh, you yeah, right. yeah it's, a it's from forever. the yeah yeah um but that movie's obviously i've seen it i have not seen it i just know that the plot is you know this dude is building a giant laser he's going to destroy washington dc with with diamonds <laughs> so like inherently diamonds carry this dangerous feel like like you can be sucked in by them and they can like they can do damage so that's infused into the Shirley Bassey song inherently and then of course Connie is channeling that because this song really gets into the conflict you have with owning blood diamonds and the the what's sacrificed for that the people that are sacrificed sacrifice for that and what expense all that comes at
4: diamonds are forever they are all I need to please me Stimulate to tease me. They won't leave in the night. I've no fear that they might desert me.
0: Diamonds are forever. forever. Throw your diamonds in the sky, if you feel the vibe.
3: Shirley opens both songs, right? And there's a little bit of a, a difference. Because he chooses to open the OG with diamonds are forever, they won't leave in the night, I have no fear that they might desert me. And he chooses in the remix to have diamonds are forever, they're all I need to please me, they can't stimulate or tease me. Uh, They won't leave in the night, have no fear that they might desert me. So there's a, a little bit of a difference, a little bit of a longer intro, but it kind of just grounds the relationship dynamic aspect
4: mm-hmm
2: yeah and sonically it's a l- little bit different like the og gets right into the shirley Bassey lyrics but on the remix there's like this ethereal floating reverberation you know it's building up it's much more dramatic like we hear a little bit of the sampled song then we have a 30 second build up to the horns and then almost 40 seconds in kanye comes in like it, it's just way more of an affair and a show this time around Of note,
3: Genius has They Can't Stimulate or Tease Me, but on the original song, they have They Can Stimulate and Tease Me. I don't know if that matters to anybody. It's can.
2: Yeah. I think we talked about this. I I always... When I read that, I was like, that's just Ron, and we listened to it. It's it's definitely not can't.
3: Yeah. So, Genius. Fuck off, Um, Genius. But there's actually something like larger to the intro and that's something that kanye says l- later on where he says i'm talking about Rockefeller, my home mm-hmm. and when you know that at this time Rockefeller, the label that had signed kanye that had been started by jay-z dame dash and bigs burke was falling apart it had schismed there's something much more meaningful to this idea of like diamonds are forever, they won't leave in the night, have no fear that they might desert me, because Kanye kind of was in this place of what's happening to Rockefeller. And Rockefeller always was associated with putting like the diamond sign in the air. So that's why the diamond kind of represents the label. So it's really a perfect sample, not just in the conflict Kanye's feeling with materialism and wealth and fame, but also with where the label was at, and Kanye kind of reflecting on not just his label but the industry
2: itself. Yeah. Which is again why like some sort of fusion between the OG and the remix like you could build an epic like Blood on the Leaves esque <laughs> Kanye song that goes through all these emotions and so many different narratives building to this really this one central idea like what Rockefeller represents. Yeah. We
3: actually had somebody build that one time but i think i may change how that was oh interesting what what would you change i'd put the og first verse first Mm -hmm. and then start having the uh start of the second verse right Mm -hmm. leading up to his dad and then have this coming in with kanye kind of reflecting and starting to have this like oh what's going on with like diamonds and like mm-hmm. I'm starting to feel this like conflict and then have his dad kind of come in and do the leadership and the baptism and then have the second verse start to come in and then have Jay-Z come <laughs> in and then finish the second <laughs> verse
2: Jay-Z's got to finish that's that's the only stipulation we have No, Kanye has to finish oh Kanye finished oh, I thought you said Jay-Z no, sorry. Jay Z comes in, but then
3: we have Kanye come back and finish off with the oh. uh, the Rockefeller portion
2: of the second verse. All right, I like that. Mm-hmm. You want him to end with building a diamond with his bare hands? Absolutely. All right, I like that. I'm game. Absolutely.
0: Are forever, forever, forever. Throw your diamonds in the sky if you feel the vibe the rack is still alive every time i ram forever ever forever ever 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 ever
3: ever we have the hook come after the intro which you still have Shirley saying diamonds are forever uh, and then you have Kanye being like throw your diamonds in the sky if you feel the vibe which is kind of fitting too as it calls back a little bit to touch the sky um mm-hmm and then the rock's still alive every time I rhyme. And still alive is kind of a, a key description, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not just like, you know, the rock is alive every time I rhyme or like I represent the rock every time I rhyme. It's saying it's still alive with the idea being, is it is it dead? <laughs> right. Uh, which is kind of like the subtext of this whole song is what's going on with Rockefeller.
2: But also like no matter what happens to the rock even like a million years from now like every time you hear a kanye song he represents what the rock represents like it's still going to be inspirational to people
3: yep and what was the two chain song feel away (laughs) feel away (laughs) so just last week feel away came out which is a two chain song that features kanye and in the song kanye has a verse and he says i still throw my diamond up and even Two Chains is like, oh, you still repping Rockefeller? <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but Kanye's still like holding true. Um, and you have in here the forever, ever, forever, ever, ever, ever that's ending the hook, which is a callback or an interpolation or reference to, uh, sorry, Miss Jackson, by Outkast
1: and that and that
3: song getting into the complicated relationship dynamics that andre 3000 was dealing with with who was it uh erica badu erica badu where they were in love but then like things didn't quite work and where they thought they were going to be like young and in love forever like he kind of has this line of like forever ever (laughs) like ever ever because the songs in the aftermath of the fallout of their relationship and him trying to make sense of where everything went wrong between them so these lines here even though Kanye's talking about like the rock's still alive every time I rhyme When you have the forever ever, it's getting into the idea that you may feel that way and really believe that, but relationships get complicated and you don't know if they are going to last.
2: Which then becomes like kind of a subtle commentary on the entire album and Kanye's relationship with fame and like what he thought it was going to be, what he dreamed it would be. And then, you know, what it inevitably becomes. Uh, This album's just kind of full of that.
3: Right. Like Kanye and fame. We're like Andre 3000 and Erica Badu on the college dropouts. Yeah. <laughs> and now by late registration, he's like, sorry, Miss Jackson. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> I tried.
3: Yeah. I don't know what happened. I guess drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And women. Yep. Yep. Can't forget that. So <laughs> all of that is the context heading into the first verse. And that's what makes this so cool because – I know people will often be like, oh, lyricism, right, as we were talking about up front. But, like, look how much depth Kanye has brought into this song from just the Shirley Bassey sample, like, lines that come up later and then the interpolation of uh, Mm Outkast. In very simple, like, not telling us anything, just having it be part of it, he's already laid the groundwork for the conflict of this song and kind of queued up the psychological place you're supposed to be in an emotional place you're supposed to be in without needing to write a line and that's why this guy
2: is the goat like totally i mean yeah that, that's like to me all of yeezus like there's so much like that happens at the beginning of songs that you like like you you could just dissect the beginning of a yeezus song for an hour <laughs> like he, he's just so good at setting things up sonically and and in infusing the sound of all these ideas before you hear lyrics. Like, holy shit.
3: Yeah.
0: Good morning, this ain't Lose hands, legs, arms for real. Little was known as Sierra Leone, and how we connect to the diamonds we own. When I speak of diamonds in the song, I ain't talking about the ones to be clown. I'm talking about Rockefeller, my home. My chain, these ain't conflict diamonds. Is they Jacob? Don't lie to me, man. See your part of me saying, keep
3: shining. And then we get the first verse, which starts with Good Morning, this ain't Vietnam, <laughs> which uh is a movie reference, believe it or not. Oh yeah. Robin Williams. Yeah. It was Robin Williams breakout movie released in 1987, limitedly, but wide in 1988, (laughs) uh, where Robin Williams plays, who is he? He's airman second class Adrian Cronauer, arrives in Saigon to work as a DJ for armed forces radio service. And you know, the, army ends up being kind of a a strict place and Robin Williams, as you can guess, is not a strict character. Mm -hmm. And he working as a DJ ends up being really like funny and off the beaten path and kind of pushing the boundaries in a way that makes the army people or the higher ups around him uncomfortable, but that the uh, regular soldiers really love. And, Lo and behold, that's the conflict, is that Robin Williams is different than what the powers that be want him to be. And that creates a lot of conflict as they try to take him out of that position. So you see this young DJ really connecting with the people, starting to make moves, but being held back by the system. And by people that are making decisions that don't like this new wave. So it really gets into power dynamics and somebody breaking the mold. And ultimately, uh, Kronauer is not allowed to be a DJ anymore, but you can see, I think at least generally the idea Mm -hmm. that Kanye can relate to Robin Williams being this guy that arrives into an industry that's kind of set in its ways and he's doing things differently and causing a stir and it's creating both good results and bad results.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is why Kanye, I, I I really do miss this part of Kanye, like these pop culture references, because again, there's so much packed into what is seemingly just like a funny throwaway line because yeah, Kanye does sort of resemble the character from good morning Vietnam. But when I, I guess when I think about Kanye and his pop pop culture references and like what he's saying here he's saying good morning this ain't Vietnam still people lose hands legs arms for real like he's both relating to the character and pointing out how this situation he's looking at isn't anything like a movie so I mean you think about the entire album like it's about how disappointing fame is and the album starts of heard him say which is all about these people who want to break out of their horrible situation and rise up in the world basically hoping their life will come to resemble a movie but their life isn't a movie like life's hard and doesn't work out the way you want it to like we're seeing with connie throughout this whole album especially if you're in the black community where you know it feels like the entire fucking world's working against you so i i feel like this this reference to good morning vietnam has like those kinds of layers to it like the situation isn't like a movie because life isn't like a movie but the situation is actually similar the situation in the movie is actually pretty similar to the real events that took place in Vietnam and are taking place in the place you live, which is terrifying. So like you have that mix of like, Oh, it's funny that he referenced good morning Vietnam to like, ah shit. Like that's kind of heavy. Like to think each day that when you walk outside, you or somebody, you know, could lose a hand or a leg or an arm, you know, or their life. I just think that's incredible. It kind of weaves that reality into the guilt he feels about blo- owning blood diamonds. Like, again, not a goofy lo- reference to Good Morning Vietnam at all. Like, there's a lot of weight and gravity to that. Absolutely.
3: Like, that's the dynamic. I mean, I even think about something, and it's not a, a movie reference, right? But people will clown on the line, like, you left your fridge open, somebody <laughs> took a sandwich. I love it. And, It's funny and kind of dumb and pisses some people off, but it's also one of those like just simple betrayals, Mm -hmm. like who does that? (laughs) And there's a heavy like reality to the silliness. And that's something, as you said, there's this heavy reality to this and uh, people I guess could take that he's talking about like Chicago upfront, right? Just saying like in Chicago, there's dangers, which has been something, as you said, he's talked about over the course of this album and something that he would really go on to talk about in songs like Murder to Excellence, right? Um, And just kind of comparing Chicago to Iraq. And now here he's talking about Vietnam, which was such a horrible war and the loss of life was excessive, unnecessary, extraordinary and how horrible we think that is, but tend to think of it in the past tense, right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, that was Vietnam, but now he's not only, you could draw that comparison somewhat to Chicago, but as he says, says, little was known of Sierra Leone. And it's just like, there are other places in the world where the kind of bullshit that happened in Vietnam still goes on. And people are losing limbs, people are affected, and it's so distant that we may not think about it or even care about it.
2: Man. Again, this is why I prefer the remix just a little bit. Like I just like every single line you could tell Connie put so much care and attention to it. Mm. Yeah, man.
3: <laughs> um, so little was known of Sierra Leone and how it connect to the diamonds we own, which
2: what a transition
3: yeah right (laughs) like you have the imagery of like mutilation Mm -hmm. and then the scholarly like discussion of just like you know little was known of Sierra Leone Uh. (laughs) but it just really grounds the fact that like these diamonds are tied to like murder and like maiming and just like
2: people being hurt like severely hurt Yeah, I mean, it it immediately introduces the conflict where the OG really had to build to the conflict and you like got all these moments of kind of struggling with the conflict. Here, the struggle is immediate. He's thinking about all these people around him who are are dying and then he thinks about like, well, who am I to even like point that out or say anything about it when I own these diamonds that people died for so I could buy them. Like the conflict's there immediately.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like not just him, but like everyone around him. Like it sweeps up all of us, right? Where like the OG is really like condemning of Kanye and his behavior. This one, he not only feels guilt and that his behavior's in question, but it also points a finger at everybody else. Like, yeah, is the ring I got my, like is the diamond in the like ring I got my wife. Like, I don't know where that came from. Was somebody hurt getting that diamond?
2: Yeah. I mean, this whole album is very condemning of the music industry, which is something we'll actually get into a little bit more in a bit. But I mean, Kanye's been pretty upfront about that. Like, I'm thinking of like Bring Me Down and just like really going after not necessarily going after people in the industry, like as competitors, but like what the industry does to people and the monsters the industry turns them into. Mm. Goddamn industry. And and the song is just Kanye like trying his fucking hardest to not become that monster. <laughs>
3: Man. <laughs> and, and what then, do you know,
2: him and Jay-Z become?
3: <laughs> yeah, eventually. <laughs> just he resisted for a long time though. Um well then we have our like our next thesis statement, right? So it's like we have the first couplet that talks about like the physical pain that people go through with the more philosophical couplet that follows and just bringing up diamonds. But then the third layer of this is him saying, when I speak of diamonds in this song, I ain't talking about the ones that be glowing. I'm talking about Rockefeller, my home. And you can see how overlooked I think those lines are just by the fact that they're some of the only lines in this whole song that don't have annotations, right? (laughs) And You're right. to that, like, nobody in the 15 years this song has been out, which, granted, Genius has only been around since, what, like, 2010? Mm-hmm. Something like that. But in, like, 10 years, nobody has taken the time to try to explain <laughs> well, <let's laughs> what do it. these lines mean. Yeah. And I think that's what you see comparing this song to the original. Like, we know that by the original end of Diamonds from Sierra Leone, that Kanye is focused on the drama that's going on in Rockefeller. And the same thing happens here. By the time we get to kind of the bridge or what's considered Kanye's second verse, where you say, like, yo, where's Dame at? Like, there was issues going on in Rockefeller at this time to where, as of 2004, Biggs and Dame were in direct conflict with Jay-Z. And even though Rockefeller had been this huge family and they had made the Dynasty albums together and they had this reputation of being one of the best labels to go with and be with, money got in the way. And those Mm -hmm. three had their break. And Dame Dash and Biggs started up a new label that was completely separate. Hove got to keep the name and was then president of the label and Def Jam, right? Because it was bought by what, Universal Music Group or Def Jam bought it. Uh, There was some deal that came into the picture. But at the point that this song was coming out in 2005, the artists had kind of picked sides. Like, you had artists that went with Damon Biggs. You had artists that stay with Jay-Z. And they were really caught in the middle of everything that was going on. And that's what Kanye ended up speaking to on the OG. And it's what Kanye ends up speaking to in this song. So as much as the song is about conflict diamonds and just Kanye feeling like this guilt about diamonds and calling out that industry, it's also about the conflict that Kanye is feeling. And he says it right here about Mm -hmm. what's going on in Rockefeller and what's it mean that he now stayed with Jay-Z and maintains his diamond rather than going with Damon Biggs. What's it mean to him? What's it mean to others? So I can see somebody being like, is it that a little more superficial (laughs) Mm -hmm. in that Kanye is talking about like just the events of this label rather than trying to point out this horrible thing that's going on. And I don't think it's like one or the other. He's just doing both. And he's pointing out the conflict of what's going on to Sierra Leone and just saying like, we see the shit happening over there, but there are ways in which it's happening over here where people are getting hurt in the process of us getting our diamonds, right? So he's as much calling out like bullshit that's going on in the industry, even in his own label and the concern he has for what's going on there as much as he's concerned about what's going on outside, which even gets back to how we see him handle things on uh, Yeezus, Right, And he'll yeah. use examples of slavery and historic slavery to make comments about mental enslavement now or consumerism in today's society.
2: Man, people are setting him up and we're knocking them the fuck down this episode. <laughs> I gotta say, like, I think you're totally right. And I, I think you're getting at what I really think this verse in particular, and I guess the whole song is getting at, is I think Connie's verse is all about this cognitive dissonance he's experiencing. Like uh, cognitive dissonance is when you just have, you hold two opposing ideas at once, you know, maybe like you're Christian. um, So you shouldn't believe in gay marriage, but you do. And that tears you apart because you don't know which way to go. Like that kind of thing. I think like there's a really interesting transition that happens here where he says, I'm talking about the ones that be glow and I'm talking about Rockefeller, my home. And then it immediately changes to my chain. These ain't conflict diamonds. Is they Jacob? Don't lie to me, man. So, To me this is again an example of like fantastic lyricism to go from my home but then my home becomes my chain so he's trying to focus on rockefeller and like all the good this entity represents but wrapped up in that you know is all the conflict that's happening and at the same time he's also tied down by how he got these conflict diamonds and what it represents It he owns them the people that died for them it's this moment of cognitive dissonance like how can he truly represent rockefeller and do good in the world when a rockefeller is falling apart and b he has this thirst for diamonds that is destroying lives i i i feel like that's just like that's the central struggle of the entire album you want to rise up out of your situation you know you want these diamonds you want the cars you want the girls to prove that you're successful to like paint this image of yourself that you've made it but all of that comes at a cost if you're not conscious about the people you affect and this destruction you're leaving in your wake. And and when you lose sight of what you set out to do in the first place, like that's all there. And that's what the album becomes. It's like, how do you find fulfillment in your career? And that at this part of the album is where we see Kanye struggling with that. And that's why, again, Jay-Z's on the song, just like he was, of never let me down. Like he, Jay-Z needs to serve as Kanye's guide to like finding that.
3: When even look at Jay-Z's backstory and a song earlier in this album, Jay-Z talks a lot. I think he even does he talk about it here? Like, yeah, I sold kilos of Coke. I'm mm-hmm. guessing I can sell CDs. Like Jay had risen up initially, not through music, but through the drug game, which Kanye on this album has talked about and tried to get people to kind of avoid Saying, you know, we grow up seeing this and these are the people to get ahead, but not for long. And he has the song crack music that kind of comments on that. Like it's now music and this dark diction in quotes, right? That people are fiending for. Mm-hmm. And why don't we bag this up and distribute this rather than the actual narcotics? But there's a whole tension there between this idea of how people rise up and what you have to do. And I think Kanye having this conflict of how he's been living in the time that he's been famous and how he's been spending his money, how responsible he has been as somebody that's potentially a leader in the industry and how irresponsible he has been. As somebody that's potentially a leader in the industry especially when you get into songs like addiction mm-hmm. right um you look at jay and jay is similarly in probably a conflicted place of i did what i had to do at the time but that still damaged people that like i was enabling drug use like i yeah there's probably somebody that like OD'd off of something that he sold or something that was going on, but Jay ended up in a spot where he's head of this label. He's helping people like Kanye and the other artists that he names have a different life and be empowered and to go make a change in the world. And there's something about, talk about cognitive dissonance, the idea of do the ends justify the means? And how do you make peace with your past or make peace with things that you look back on and think I wouldn't have done it that way again? Or can I feel good about even wearing this chain and having these diamonds? Like, can I accept that now that I know where these came from, I don't agree with it, but I still have this chain and I'm wearing it because I know it means something to other people. And gives me power to help other people and allows me to be the leader that I want to be there's so much tied up in that conflict and that's another reason why Jay-Z is perfect for Mm. this song because Jay-Z is a great example of are you a bad person because you had to do bad things in certain certain circumstances and does that define you for the rest of your life no matter how much good you do
2: yeah, I think that's that's kind of um, indicative of where Kanye is now, like him coming to peace with that and like the past mistakes he's made and being less consumed by cognitive dissonance and more aware that like it's just kind of a reality of the world. <laughs> like I think um, um, F. Scott just Fitzgerald said like the true side of intelligence is like being able to hold two opposing ideas at once, being OK with cognitive dissonance. And eventually, you know, Connie and Jay will build to that point. But I think at this point in Connie's career, like, you could just see that he's really struggling with it and he doesn't know how to handle it. Yep. Yep, yep. And there's a reason why the last song in this album has gone.
4: <laughs>
3: yeah. Yep. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Jacob is Jacob the Jeweler, who is a guy that guy. makes a lot of the... <laughs> he gets shouted out a lot. He's made a lot of the chains for a lot of... Uh, you know, rap artists. So when he calls out Jacob, that's just what he's saying. Like he's now having this awakening of like, yo, Jacob, like, don't lie to me. (laughs) Are these conflict diamonds? But it's also serves as he says, he's talking about Rockefeller, right? So it's not just like him saying, are the diamonds in my chain conflict diamonds? It's essentially him being like, is there conflict in Rockefeller? And having this moment of like realization that like things in his label that he thought was, his home that was going to be safe may not be so good
2: Ooh. to be honest i didn't even really think about
0: it that way yeah when I know what a blood diamond is, though so it's thousands of miles away, Sierra Leone connect to what we go through today. Over here it's the drug trade, we die from drugs. Over there, they die from what we buy from drugs. The diamonds, the chains, the braces, the chompses.
3: And part of him saying keep shining, how would I know what a blood diamond is? And that's where you get that duality, right? It's easy to read into that back to the just Sierra Leone. And the idea of the diamonds, like a blood diamond are these diamonds that are mined illegally using this labor that's dangerous, that cost people lives. And like, how can he wear any jewelry, any fancy stuff that has diamonds that might be blood diamonds? But it also gets back to Rockefeller. Like, how can he still stay confident and shining and being the artist that he wants to be when he knows that the label behind him is falling apart? Oof. And having this schism and this like bad blood amongst its founders,
2: man, to think he's witnessing that, like the fall of Rockefeller, as he's having these, you know, experiencing fame, like having these conflicting thoughts about the industry in general and seeing what it does to people, it's got to be pretty tough. <laughs> Talk about like growing
3: pains and oh loss God, of innocence, yeah. like. When he signed his deal and was making College Dropout, Rockefeller was like the place. Yeah. And then within a year, it's falling apart. And now he's like a kid watching his parents get divorced and dealing with the complicated emotions of that. Yeah, shit.
2: Is, is this where we talk about Pink Floyd? Oh,
3: yeah. I would have completely <laughs> skipped over it. Um. So this is also cool and might be... I don't know how much Kanye knows about Pink Floyd, right? Like we tried looking oh, up like Kanye Pink Floyd.
2: He does. Kanye's making conceptual albums. He he loved anybody who made a conceptual album back in the day.
3: <laughs> yeah, I just that's another question like seriously, we joke a lot about the questions we would mm-hmm. ask Kanye. I really do want to ask Kanye like what his thoughts are on Pink Floyd and not so much like uh another brick in the wall or dark side of the moon, but Dark Side of the Moon is the one with Another Brick in the Wall, right? No, that's The Wall. The Wall, fuck. <laughs> okay, not not The Wall and Dark Side of the Moon, but I think the strongest Pink Floyd album is Wish You Were Here.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I think that's the one Kane would probably respond to the most considering what it's about. Yeah. So, the I don't know if
3: it's like the premier song on this album, but the two big songs on this album are... Uh, wish you were here which is the one that you'll probably hear on the radio the most and shine on you crazy diamond which is not one you'll probably hear on the radio (laughs) considering it
2: exists in 10 parts and it was like 20 minutes long
3: yeah 20 actually it comes out to exactly 26 minutes wow The the idea of like shine on you crazy diamond and Kanye saying like see a part of me saying keep shining, which eh yeah. a little bit of a, a stretch, but when you look at the idea of Wish You Were Here as a concept. Uh, it was a conceptual theme, and this is Wikipedia, written entirely by Roger Waters. It reflects his feelings that the camaraderie that had served the band was by then largely absent, which is already relevant to Rockefeller, right? Yeah. The album begins with a long instrumental preamble <laughs> and segues into the lyrics for Shine On You Crazy Diamond, a tribute to Sid Barrett. Whose mental breakdown had forced him to leave the group seven years earlier. Barrett is fondly recalled with lines such as Remember when you were young, you shone like the sun, and You reached for the secret too soon, you cried for the moon. Wish You Were Here is also a critique of the music business. Shine On crosses seamlessly into Welcome to the Machine a song that begins with an opening door described by Waters as a symbol of musical discovery and progress betrayed by a music industry more interested in greed and success Mm. and ends with a party the later the latter epitomizing the lack of contact and real feelings between people similarly have a cigar scorns record industry fat cats with the lyrics repeating a stream of cliches heard by rising newcomers in the industry And including the question, by the way, which one's pink? Yeah. (laughs) Asking which of the band members is Pink Floyd, which, Mm -hmm. man, um, which was asked of the band on at least one occasion. The lyrics to the next song, Wish You Were Here, relate both to Barrett's condition and to the dichotomy of Waters' character, with greed and ambition battling with compassion and idealism. Cognitive
2: dissonance.
3: Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) it's I mean the pieces are all there yeah like you see that they're dealing with the sense of betrayal from the industry but also like personal breakdowns by dealing with the industry and not only that just like breaking up within the group so this idea of like shining on you crazy diamond while it's like hopeful the context of the song is one in which somebody has been broken by what's going on. And you even have lines like you were caught in the crossfire of childhood and stardom blown on the steel breeze. Come on, you target for faraway laughter. Come on, you stranger, you legend, you martyr and shine.
2: Oh ah! shit. Those are some lyrics. It's so
3: good. I love this album so much.
2: Yeah. Um, uh that just really reveals just like how fucking vulnerable the song is but really how the the album is to think that both the industry that kanye dreamed about for so long and the record label that signed him like both are not really living up to expectations or falling apart or or not as fulfilling as he thought they they would be like he's he's kind of lost he's lonely and at the same time you know he's he's celebrity he's away from his family and he can only go visit them again on roses when like he visits his grandma in the hospital like he's just somebody who's very uh very lost yeah and there is i guess beauty
3: in this or i mean similarities to the fact that the same way that pink floyd's saying like you know keep shining but Kanye's responding to it with like how like how can I possibly keep shining when I know how like fucked up the industry is and how fucked up like behind the scenes of everything is like I now know what a blood diamond is I now know what the music industry is I now know that fame isn't everything I thought it would be or hoped it would be like the reality of it is much uglier and how do you deal with that? And despite the fact that Pink Floyd says Shine on Your Crazy Diamond, like we see that's like the opening. <laughs> like we see them digging into all the problematic aspects, ending with Wish You Were Here, which gets at the cognitive dissonance before you have the second part of Shine on Your Crazy Diamond kind of come back in and continue this idea of like, you can't can you shine on? Yeah. Like,
2: <laughs> uh kinda, you know what? He pulled it off. Yeah, eventually he's shown the last lines
3: right that close out the album are and we'll bask in the shadow of yesterday's triumph and sail on the steel breeze come on you boy child you winner and loser come on you miner for truth and delusion
2: and shine i'm gonna start using boy child as an insult <laughs> you boy child (laughs) it's not it's not bad enough to call them a boy or a child a boy child you're
3: such a boy child but the idea of being like a winner and a loser and just like you're a miner for truth and delusion like you know you mine for diamonds Mm. like the diamonds starting to represent this idea of truth and delusion
2: is this show going to become a lyrical analysis of wish you were here
3: I'm down if you're
2: down. <laughs> I mean, someday we're going to run out of Kanye-san, so we'll have to do something else.
3: Someday.
2: <laughs> that was me trying to do oh, like yeah. the opening to <laughs> Ghost Town. And it, I knew what you were doing. I was hoping it would pass by and we wouldn't have to address it.
3: It did not come out how I heard it in my head. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, it didn't come out either how it sounds like on record. Yeah. <laughs> uh
3: so we continue on (laughs) though it's thousands of miles away Sierra Leone connects to what we go through today which now starts to get into like stuff with Chicago and stuff in the industry right over here it's a drug trade we die from drugs which also recalls Kanye's lines on murder to excellence right yeah sure um and then over there they die from what we buy from drugs god so it's like people are dying from drugs and then but because you're selling drugs and getting money you're able to buy stuff but the stuff you buy is killing people in other countries
2: yeah i used to kind of um again you'll have to forgive me for being stupid at one point in my life i'm not as stupid now as i once was uh still stupid but not as stupid as i was when i thought this thing (laughs) i'm about to say um that i i kind of thought like maybe this particular section of the song, like Kanye's being a little like blunt and obvious. Like he's he's just saying. We always talk about like showing versus telling. And to me, here Kanye's kind of telling, you know. But I I think there's now that I look at it, there's kind of a beauty to it, in that there was so much. Um, there's so much symbolism leading up to this part of the song, and he's working through so many thoughts and ideas, and so many. Conf- so many conflicting thoughts. There's so much cognitive dissonance going on that when you finally get to this point, you kind of realize, like, oh, this is a very confused individual, somebody who doesn't know how to handle the situation he is finally reflecting on these very obvious thoughts. So like they have they carry a lot more power than I realized they did at one point. And then
3: also, too, because there's the extended metaphor going on of yes. this being about the music industry and about Rockefeller while it's still like obvious in terms of like the commentary about like just materialism and like diamonds and drugs and all of that there's still the layers that as you said he's already set up ahead of time
2: that's the best part of every Kanye song, and what makes this podcast so much fun to do is like it's never about one thing with Kanye. Like, it's it's always about so many things, and it's always about Kanye reflecting on himself, no matter how unobvious it is. And see,
3: this is the thing that not to just like take a swerve and like, <laughs> let's just talk about how great Kanye is for a second. <laughs> I like swerve and like take a shot at Kendrick, right? But oh boy. I like again, I love Kendrick, but just and not trying to like tear him down to raise Kanye up, but. It's a thing where I think if Kendrick was going to do a similar concept, he would then have a line like over there they die from what we buy from drugs and I'm sitting there with my recording contract thinking like am I part of this? Mm -hmm. Like he would just have that one line that tells us it's tied to the industry rather than Kanye that's kind of made that connection up front but then lets the metaphor kind of just breathe.
2: Yeah, you're very right. Although I do think Kendrick's getting better at that not that that is necessarily a sign of like better lyricism or musicianship but it's what we like
3: yeah i th- that's like the funny thing about damn is like people think Dam's kendrick's worst album <laughs> and sitting here like it's the best it's so good it's the best um, <laughs> but specifically for that reason that he lets the metaphor kind of like do the work and sets things up and steps back and totally
2: sh- shows i mean that opening track like the interaction he has with the woman like that paints everything you hear going forward Drug trade.
0: We die from drugs over there. they die from what we buy from drugs the diamonds the chains the braces the charms is i thought my jesus peace was so harmless Till I seen a picture of a shorty armless And here's the conflict It's in a black person's soul To rock that gold Spend your whole life Trying to get that ice On a polar rugby You look so nice Hacking something so wrong Make me feel so right Right Before I beat myself up like Ike You can still throw your rock For the diamond at night Cause Throw your diamonds in the sky If you feel
1: the
3: vibe So the diamonds, the chains, the bracelets The charmses Much like the charm is a thing that's on the chain. Is sure. That right?
2: I-, I figured you had lots of charms so you would know. Oh, <laughs> shucks. Thank you. <laughs> now, who's the charming one?
3: <laughs> but I thought my Jesus piece was so harmless, right? And especially like the idea of like, it's Jesus, right? Like, I have this chain like honoring Jesus and like religion, and like, how can that be a bad thing? till I seen a picture of a shorty armless. And then it's just like,
2: Oh man. Yeah. That really puts like, it just makes me think of Jesus walks and how like Jesus was this thing that motivated him to go out into the world and become a celebrity and do good. And now all he can think about is like, what this led to was me having this Jesus piece that people had to die for. Like I don't know, the, 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 the difference between College Dropout and Later Registration and what Kanye is going through in terms of fame, which is probably just because Kanye didn't become famous until Later Registration, but still, like, the difference there, you, you could really just see somebody who's, like, really going through it. It makes me think back, to
3: to crack music and the idea that Kanye thought that, like, music was the harmless alternative to selling drugs, right? hmm And now he's realizing that, like... Yes and no. Like somebody can get rich off of making music rather than selling drugs and they're not like harming anyone in their community. But then the things that you do with that money can still cause harm.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. Mm. Crazy. So we get this picture of a shorty armless and then, and here's the conflict. It's in a black person's soul
2: to rock that gold. Mm. again recalling heard him say i feel like like all these dreams you like the dreams of breaking out of the situation you're in also include like all the cars and jewelry that you get to buy because that'll represent that'll be this image the symbol of that you've made it
3: and getting back to all falls down as well and just yeah like as you're saying this idea that it's a symbol of you made it but also this idea of like it's a symbol of empowerments. And also, I think just generally, Kanye has talked about, like, the style and, like, aesthetic that black people have. Mm-hmm. And just saying, like, it's in our soul to, like, look good yeah, and have this sense of style and, like, do these things well. But the fact that in order to do that, we have to buy these things that come with not just a monetary cost, but also like a human cost. Uh, yeah, crazy. Uh, and as you said, like back to heard him say with this, spend your whole life trying to get that ice mm-hmm. on a polo rugby. It looks so nice. Like we know Kanye used to like, rock polos all the time, which when's the last time Kanye wore a polo? I don't know, but it, the, the day where he wears one again can't come soon enough. I'm tweeting that right now. When was
2: the last time... <laughs> I'm going to wait while you Connie tweet it? wore a polo? Okay. <laughs> you should make it a poll.
3: <laughs> when? <laughs> like, what a question to try to make a poll. Yes, no. Yeah, yes or no. Um... How can something so wrong make me feel so right? And this calls back right there to addiction, uh, which was just a song like right before this, right? Where Kanye has the line, um, why is everything that's supposed to make me feel, or why is everything that's supposed to be bad make me feel so good? Everything they told me not to is exactly, oh my goodness, everything Uh. they told me not to (laughs) is exactly what I would. You're just getting choked up by this line because it's so powerful. Yeah, it really like... It really is because Kanye already talks about addiction and saying that it's money, girls, weed, and getting into the situation and how like much in a negative place he is from it and being able to step back from that song and into this and have him bring the context of that song into this. Like how can something so wrong make me feel so right? Like, that's the conflict and how not only do i handle this on the larger level of my responsibility as an individual to like other humans but also to like my culture my industry but then to myself like if i can't even handle my basic addictions
2: like how can i like handle these larger pressures and that's why it's so incredible to just look at Kanye's entire career, his entire discography, like as this narrative, because he kind of loses that battle for a while. Like He really does succumb to the vices of celebrity and becomes this, you know, gross uh, superstar on graduation. And it's completely alone on 808s. So, like he's somebody who loses that battle for a while. Right. Like
3: stronger is like an empowering song but it's also kind of the beginning of the end (laughs) like right he wants to go harder better faster stronger because it makes him feel so right Right. like but it ends up being the thing that's wrong that ruins a lot of his relationships with chicago and Mm jay-z and he struggles to get over that at least he has his diamonds though oh god (laughs) uh and then the last two lines right before i beat myself up like ike uh ike and tina turner yeah yeah um or the ike candy mike and ike yeah your teeth beat up mike and ike's exactly uh so as he's starting to like beat himself up and, like, get into this darker place of the conflict and really explore it, he says, he kind of, like, stops himself. He says, before Mm -hmm. I beat myself up, like, you can still throw your Rockefeller diamond tonight. So, like, you know, this is a future Kanye problem
2: right now. (laughs) Right, isn't that, (laughs) like, that's kind of what he's doing, is, like, I'm going to keep struggling with this, but for now, like, I need to be inspirational to people and represent what the Rockefeller diamond represents.
3: Yeah, and then i mean that's the thing too getting back to rockefeller like at this point it's breaking apart so can throwing the rockefeller sign still make you feel good is it wrong to still put it up when there's such bad blood between dame biggs and jay and the whole thing's kind of falling down but for right now while the name still exists like you know what still
2: throw your rockefeller diamond tonight and then jay-z's got a follow-up on all that
0: people asking me is i'm gonna give my chain back uh. that'll be the same day i get the game back uh. you know the next question, all uh. oh, yo where dame at uh. this track the indian dance to bring our rain back <laughs> what's up with you and jay
1: man are y'all okay man yep i got it from here yay yeah, damn the chain remains the gang is intact uh-huh. the name is mine i'll take blame for that the pressure's on but guess who ain't gonna crack. Pardon me I had to laugh at that. How could you bounce up when you're the rock with your balls? I had
3: to get Well, so we have the the hook come in and then Kanye with the second verse be like people asking me
2: <laughs> I wish he would have started his
3: verse like that. People asking me. People asking me. It's
2: almost like a Seinfeld bit. <laughs>
3: If people ever ask you, <laughs> are Let's you going to give your chain back?
2: Chris, don't get into another Seinfeld impression. We don't have time for it. Damn it.
3: <laughs> also, people ask me, is I'm going to give my chain back? Like, yeah, and this gets at the heart of the issue, right? Like, right. is he going to go with Dame and Biggs? Is he going to stay with Jay? Like, is the chain still something that he can wear when it comes to Rockefeller? But also, like in the context of Diamonds from Sierra Leone, right? Like, are you going to give up this chain that has these blood diamonds potentially and what that represents? And he says, that'll be the same day I give the game back. Again, uh... wish he said it that way. (laughs) It's an emphatic no, right? (laughs) Like, I got to this spot, and I think there's something I used to take in my dumb days as that Mm -hmm. being almost hypocritical Like, how can he have this realization about, like, what the diamonds mean and, like, still rock the chain? But I think it's also just kind of coming to peace with the situation of, like, yeah, there are these problematic aspects to things, but the chain represents more for people, right? Right. And the fact that, like, I wear this Rockefeller chain regardless of like how it was made where it came from like maybe I can be better in the future about things but this chain means something not only to myself but to others that see me wear it that I'm a kid from Chicago that came up and now runs the game and I have a Rockefeller chain so no I'm not going to give this chain back because I need to inspire these kids to do the same and inspire others that they need to go and like live up to their potential this is him starting to get into the leadership aspect of things
2: totally yeah i mean it, it's it's a very wise moment like we said being able to deal with cognitive dissonance is a sign of intelligence and a sign that you're growing like i i feel like that's been a huge part of my growth is recognizing that like it, it's you can't be perfect and perfect doesn't even mean that like oh all your ideas line up and you have no conflicting thoughts like there's always conflict you just have to be able to deal with it and like know you know what you're really about and what you're fighting for and what's true to you. hmm And
3: we get the follow-up that again grounds this in the Rockefeller drama with you know the next question dog yo where day mats mm. which uh in the OG you have a little bit more context in the fact that Kanye follows this up with they pray for the death of our dynasty like amen so the question's a little bit more like huh where's dame like there's mm-hmm. drama is it there and kanye avoids that this time like more of the the negative aspect and just kind of shouting out dame and saying this track the indian dance that bring our rain back which is a line he has in the og as well just getting at the fact that rain and rain sound similar <laughs> so like <laughs> The reign of a king, right, is different than the rain that comes down from the sky. And the same way that Indians would have dance or Native Americans would have a dance to bring down rain from the sky, this is the song that he's using to try to rekindle the reign of Rockefeller. And maybe even unite Damon Jay, just saying, like, Rockefeller's still going, we're still okay like dame's fine like jay and i are fine kanye's the one that's in the middle playing peacemaker and kind of bridging the gap that's divided the other people that's the name of his memoir bridging the gap bridging the gap kanye west adventures
2: (laughs) yeah he's fucking doing all that man that's that's an epic line bring the rain back
3: yeah it's so cool um, and then you get what's up with you and Jay man are you all okay man which was also on the OG and that's what kind of precipitated uh, uh, they mm-hmm. pray for the death of our <laughs> dynasty like <laughs> the rain he brought in was Jay-Z's verse yeah Uh they pray for the death of our dynasty like amen so before Kanye's just like man people are crazy trying to stir up drama and now here he's like no we got Jay like yeah. Things are okay. And
2: here he comes. I hear him. Yeah. We going through everything with Jay. He, he kind of tiptoes into the song. Like you hear him going, uh, uh, in the background, and then just like pops through the curtains and is like ready to like take over the show. <laughs> I like the
3: idea. He's like standing over Kanye's shoulder in the booth yeah. and the moment. Like <laughs> Kanye finishes talking. Jay just like yanks him by the collar and steps up to the mic. Yeah i think that's how it happened like yep i got it from here yay damn (laughs) like
2: (laughs) in the way of the mic it's the most jay-z thing he could possibly do like this is how he introduces himself i love it yeah and i mean jay
3: doesn't really get into much of the sierra leone stuff because jay is kind of more concerned with the Rockefeller stuff yeah like and the chain remains, like the Rockefeller chain's still here. The gang is intact. Like, this is essentially like a damage control verse mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but not in like, a oh, he's just doing damage, but in the way of like, yeah, people are doubting us and like I'm going to show how great
2: we still are and only the way that Jay can do. Yeah, um, which carries so much weight thinking about how Condi's built up Rockefeller, like what it means and how... Desperately, he wants it to stay together and, like, retain this power it's always had.
3: Yep. Uh, the name is mine. I'll take blame for that. So, I mean, I guess because he ended up with Rockefeller, right, and Dame and Biggs had to go grab another name, mm-hmm. he's saying, like, I'll take the blame for that, maybe?
2: Sure. Sometimes I don't know what Jay's talking about, but I always love it.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Um, the
3: pressure's on because now he's flying solo, right? What's mm. going to happen to Rockefeller? Is Jay going to be the leader? He's now the president of Def Jam. Uh, but guess who ain't gonna crack? Which uh, Jay Z laughs at. Ha ha. Pardon me. I had
2: to laugh at that. That is now the most Jay Z Jay Z thing he said so far. <laughs> power ranking of like most jay-z
3: things
2: (laughs) i think he's gonna top himself a couple more times we'll see
3: yeah which just playing off the idea people often say like black don't crack when it comes to like aging and he's just saying like guess who's not gonna crack but you have that joke tied in with him not bowing to the pressure but also to the fact that like diamonds can withstand pressure Mm -hmm. so you have a triple entendre going on love it (laughs)
1: <laughs> Pardon me, I had to laugh at that. How could you water when you're the rock with your balls? I had to get off the boat so I could walk on water. This ain't no tall order, this is nothing to me. Difficult takes a day, impossible takes a week. I do this in my sleep. I sold kilos of coke. I'm guessing I could sell CDs. I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. Me handle my business, damn. Kanye's, you got me. Free weight and foxy. YG.
3: Uh how could you falter when you're the rock of Gibraltar? Well, that's the most Z line now <laughs> uh, just you know Rockefeller gets called the Rock, and Rock of Gibraltar is this huge uh, as genius says, monolithic limestone promontory located at the entrance of the Mediterranean Sea. Mm, that's a beautiful piece of limestone right there. <laughs> but the island, it's like such a big stone like how could anybody hope to like do anything to it but yeah. apparently they say that there was a 2003 satire film called Death of a Dynasty which was directed by Rockefeller co-founder Dame Dash and produced by Rock Films yeah. the script predicts a Rockefeller split after the split Dame forms a group to dis J called Rock a Gibraltar <laughs>
2: so Oof, that's that's pretty impressive to pack that much into one line right because it's like
3: the reading of we are the rock of gibraltar so how could we falter but also like mocking dame yeah and being like you know <laughs> how could you struggle in the aftermath of this split when you're the rock of gibraltar
2: yeah t- so both taking a dig at dame and saying like the game is intact like everything's good
3: yeah, that's pretty wild. The fact that they like made a satire film about that's them crazy. splitting up, just like a year before they actually like reached that point. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> um, I had to get off the boat so I could walk on water. Do I even which... need to say it? That is the most cheesy that... line. <laughs> and you know, the boat in this situation, like I mean, you could try to take it to like the historic place um like coming over on slave ships and the idea he got off the boat and he's mm-hmm. walking on water like jesus or just because rocket gibraltar is an island and you have to take a boat to get to it and he's just like nah i got off the boat that goes to the Rock rocket gibraltar so i could walk on water like i'm leaving you behind yeah so i can go on to do greater things
2: man that's that's epic right there
3: <laughs> all right Uh, I had to get off the boat so I could walk on water this ain't no tall order this is nothing to me
2: I mean and it wasn't is that the most Jay Z line now I don't know him saying he can walk on water which is what Jesus can do (laughs) he's gonna have to top
3: Jesus (laughs) (laughs) difficult takes a day impossible takes a week well that's yeah I
2: do this in my sleep (laughs) Even the simplest Jay Z lines, like, really hit home. Like, that is that's such a Jay Z line. <laughs> it just the the confidence.
3: Oh, and so I, I sold kilos. <laughs> I sold kilos of coke. I'm guessing I can sell CDs, which recalls crack music. Oh yeah. Um, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man.
2: Okay, that might be it. That's yeah. That might be the end of it. Yeah,
3: let me handle my business. Damn, Oof. which,
2: yeah, what, yeah, love those lines. I I say those lines all the time. I'm not a businessman. I'm a business pause man. <laughs>
3: I, they're so good, and especially like just by themselves, like in any song, they would stand out. Like if Jay had said that, and so appalled, you'd be like, "Damn, what a great line!" But specifically in the fact that he's addressing the Rockefeller split, and about the confidence he has of being on his own, mm-hmm. and just saying like, "You, I'm the business." Like,
4: hmm. how that work just a out? The businessman. Yeah,
3: I mean, good. <laughs> Yeah. Billionaire Jay-Z.
2: Pretty good. i business
1: me handle my business. Damn. Kanye's you got me. Free weighted Foxy. Watch East Tier Marie. Petey watch me. Bleak could be one hit away, his whole career. As long as I'm alive, he's a millionaire. And even if a guy's in my will somewhere. So he could just kick back and chill somewhere. Oh yeah. He won't even have the right rhymes. Like my money last three light Shelly basket.
3: So Kanye's, you got me. Freeway then Foxy. So this is where he starts, kind of like what Batman versus Superman, like teasing the rest of the Justice League <laughs> characters.
2: That's this exactly that what he's moment. doing.
3: Yeah. So he's like naming off who's going to be in the Justice League movie. Of like <laughs> yo. So currently on Rockefeller we have Freeway and Foxy, YG's Tierra Mari, and Petey. I have Memphis Bleak all of them but uh, we were reading up about it and like none of them ended up releasing albums and like within the year like rockefeller was kind of defunct so yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's a shame even freeway was talking about it at one point how like he's like yo they were like this whole family unit but by the time i signed and got in there they're falling apart like i didn't get to enjoy any of the stuff that like yeah
4: he had to get there a year earlier when break.
2: kanye did
3: yeah, kind of got, like, a little bit of it, but... Mm. And then Memphis Bleak took a... Uh, ended up being kind of upset with this line. But Jay-Z uh, said he could be one hit away his whole career. As long as I'm alive, he's a millionaire. So, like, to Jay, he's like, I take care of my people. Like, you know, Memphis could forever be, like, not quite breaking through, and he's going to be making money because he's going to be on my songs. I'm going to make sure he's getting some like Shine, but I think Memphis Bleak was like, yo, people just <laughs> think of me as the guy that's never going to be like... It is kind of a dinky a career. Thing to say. Yeah, right? He could say just like, one of my rappers could be hit away, but yeah. he calls out. <laughs> Jay-Z explained the line in XXL Magazine in December 2006. That's my fucking kid, you know? That's my little brother. How can you take it? He knows where I'm coming from. He's my little brother.
2: Hmm. Huh. Maybe you should talk to Mephis um, bleak then. Right.
3: <laughs> so we have that. Uh and even if I die, he's in my will somewhere. I wonder if that's still true.
2: Hmm. Although as, as met as upset Memphis Bleak was at this line, like it was probably pretty relieving to find out here in the song that he's in Jay Z's will
3: right or like the ultimate betrayal when like he just continues living his life like oh i'm in jay's will and yeah. then finds out one day like oh jay changed his will that would be tragic. i know like i had people i'd get a will after mm-hmm. my parents died and i had people in there that i eventually like took out of my will when i got married oh really yeah i didn't tell them uh. <laughs> I didn't tell them they were in because I didn't want them to, like, kill me, uh, but I also did tell them they're out.
2: Uh, th- wow, Chris, you're getting into some complicated shit. I've never even made a will, so I guess it's something we all got to think about someday.
3: I was pretty annoyed when I first had to make it, and, you know, like, your only child, your mom just dies, like, five years right. after your dad died. You're, like, 25 years old, and the first will that I wrote, I included and auctioning off of my cats at my funeral mm-hmm. if I died while my cats were still alive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, the person running the service has to ask the people in attendance who will take the cats, <laughs> and the cats can't be split up. And yeah. if no one raises their hand, then the funeral will not continue until someone agrees to take the cats. And if multiple people raise their hand, then the funeral must pause as each person makes a statement about why they should take care of the cat. I thought you were going to
2: say they would fight to the death.
3: No, no, no. I would never put them through that, you know? But I'd make them give an essay about why, and there should be a 30 minute time period to uh, <laughs> write that and then give the speech, and then the crowd votes. And that was all in there. And the lawyers Do Did you have anything about like, there being a tie in the votes? uh yeah i said at that point then it's like
2: the main person's decision (laughs) so so what the the guy presiding over the funeral just decides who's taking the cats yeah okay should i do something similar in my will but like i require somebody to take over hosting the show with you (laughs) yeah please okay i'm gonna use the exact language you did but like it's just gonna be this show like we have to have
3: a twitter poll (laughs) yeah
2: we do uh um
3: but then the lawyer was just like you can't do this <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh it never even made it through no oh that's not. too bad i know
3: uh all right so so he could just kick back and chill somewhere oh yeah he don't even have to write rhymes man <laughs> uh the dynasty like my money lasts three lifetimes so Jay-Z had had, in my lifetime, Volumes 1, 2, and 3 at this point. There was also the Dynasty uh, Rockefeller album. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, there was the initial Dynasty, but now this is like the next version of it. That Rockefeller died, there's gonna be more iterations, like just because that ended doesn't mean it's not gonna continue to live on and have multiple lifetimes, multiple albums. There's layers there. Yeah. Like my money
1: lasts Shelly Dash is in the rear, saying exactly what I was saying. Practically my whole career. The diamond is bad, I've been mining this forever now. The movie baton dawns coming. Couldn't be better. People lined up to see the Titanic sinking. we rose from the ash like a phoenix. If you're waiting for the end, the dynasty sign, it would seem like forever is a mighty long time. jump young, bitches.
3: Uh, Shirley Bassey's in the rear, which I like to think I like to think he said that before ever hearing the production to the song. <laughs> he just like sensed Shirley Bassey as he was rapping. Yeah, or like I don't know, Was Shirley like around? Were they
2: friends? I don't know. Maybe he just got done watching Diamonds Are Forever.
3: Oh yeah, Shirley Bassey. She's eighty three years old. Mm-hmm. So like. She could have been, like, hanging out with Jay, like, backseat of the car. Totally. They probably were pounding drinks right before he recorded this. (laughs) Uh, So she's in the rear saying exactly what I've been saying practically my whole career, which is diamonds are forever. Uh, The diamond is forever. I've been mining this forever. Now the Louis Vuitton dons timing. Could it be better? (laughs) Here he comes. Yep. People lined up to see the Titanic sinking, which yeah right Rockefeller is like mm-hmm. starting to sink instead we re- which also calls back to like I had to get off the boat um, instead we rose up from the ash like a phoenix
2: if is you're this waiting what for the- inspired Kanye on my beautiful dark twisted fantasy
3: <laughs> wow like the whole of that is just like <laughs> the phoenix represents Rockefeller yeah maybe Jay's influence unmatched <laughs> uh if you're waiting for the end of the dynasty sign, it would seem like forever is a mighty long time Fuck yeah
2: who, who do I and hear there in the background Marie singing okay, okay. <laughs> is she singing a Shirley bassey song uh I could have quite could it quite make it out
3: okay but good night. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Isn't that how Kanye ends the album? What does he say at the it? end of Gone? Oh, sorry, Mr. West is gone. JK, just kidding. I knew that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm a Kanye expert. Pete's...
3: Now I'm just like confused if I'm just thinking about Jay saying it here, or if Kanye does end a song by saying
2: goodnight. Well, he starts graduation with good morning. That's true. So maybe that's what you're thinking of oh man should we go with
3: a theory there
2: (laughs) let's get into it next episode
3: alright well thanks for joining us for this like unending ultimate episode
2: wow we spent this long talking about the OG too so we've spent three hours talking about diamonds from Sierra Leone I'm so sorry yeah thank you for uh, your time and attention yeah uh, your saints for sticking through this
3: Right, your saints, your psalms, your shies, your norths.
2: (laughs) Uh, okay, is there anything else? We have anything else to talk about? Is that it?
3: No, that's it. Thanks for listening and uh, tune in next time
2: for We Major. Ooh, We Major, but until we get to We Major, just try your best to stay wavy in the meantime.
3: Oh, for the love of God, stay loopy,
2: for the love of God,
3: (laughs) keep it loopy.
1: La, 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 la. And I am. Here's
0: to the rock. And they ask me, they ask me, they ask me. I tell them. Where's your glasses, your glasses, your glasses hey. to the sky? Yeah. Here's to the rock. This is the last call for alcohol.